Episode 2, The People of Slam Nuba. We talk to more Slam Nuba poets. We then get into the different people that are involved or have been involved with Slam Nuba. It's another refresher of the history. The first segment of these episodes is usually a profile or introduction to a new poet that we haven't spoken to, which inevitably discusses the history of Slam Nuba and their history with Slam Nuba. So it's nice to hear all of the different sides of the history. I quickly interviewed some people at Slam Nuba during the February Slam Nuba event at the Crossroads Theater in Denver, Colorado. I spliced up some poems as well that I recorded that night and other nights, and I hope you enjoy episode number two, The People of Slam Nuba. This is a collaboration with KGNU and our After FM streaming website. We're doing an After FM exclusive for this Slam Nuba series. Um, so yeah, this is The People of Slam Nuba. Hope you enjoy it. My name is Sean. Thank you so much. No doubt. Um, my name is Theo Wilson, aka Lucifury, and I've been here really since the beginning. So yeah, it was uh, 2006 when it all started, and I'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um, my name is Toluanimi Obiwale. I go by Tolua, and I'm currently the Slam Master, Slam Nuba, or Co Slam Master. My name is Asetu Shango. I've been rolling with Slam Nuba for about eight years. Do you, how did you get started with Slam Nuba? We cut heads. Um, I um, <laughs> Honestly, I just got started at the same time that I got started with all poetry. So um, just going to the venues and falling deeply and madly in love with Slam Nuba and Crossroads Theater. And um, I was on the team in 2013, just been involved far more than that. Did someone tell you about it or just kind of no, happened upon it? No, I actually, I found out about slam poetry through Panama Soweto, Ken Arkine, and Bianca McCann. They all came to my school when I was a junior in high school. They just told us to come down to, to the venue, so I was bussing into the venues about four times a week, just getting as much poetry as I possibly could. To the poets that get praise from their community but still have to go home and show their mother the work that is not quite refrigerator ready. To fix your mouth to criticize the one who birthed you is a bold resolve. She is both your only God and the only human fallible. But your voice has legs now from all that running it's been doing out in the world, from all those YouTube shares and likes, from all those pat on the backs you receive. You think you're someone now, think you can change your name, like the one she gave you was not good enough, like you've grown, like you know best. She gave you life and you'd spit on her coffin, her god, her religion. Oh, but you a published artist now. Forget who made you, forget who edited all your book reports and made you rewrite them. Forget who was writing before you even learned how to use a spoon. Who airplane the hard earned food into your mouth. You know, the same food that got you here with all these lights and filled seats 
and high-end cameras. Maybe you forgot where you came from, the womb that sustained you, the cocoon that gave you wings that you brag about in your statuses. Who was magic before you could spell, black girl? Snap pictures of that pretty little face, that tight little body, them height and long legs. You eat up all those compliments for, as if you earned it, as if you had to birth your long ass. And you sit here, all high cheekbone and proud, like you would be here without that person you hide all your secrets from, that person you forget to say goodnight to. And Theo, can you kind of give your origin story to Slam Nuba? Yeah, man. When we began, it was just off of Mercury Cafe coming off of the National Poetry Slam victory. So the inception of Slam Nuba started in controversy. The poetry scene was split in half. People wasn't sure if it was a good idea or not. Uh, Ken and Panama were the dynamic duo. So we were like, why are we going to try to split up the team or who's going to rival them? You know, because they didn't know they were going to uh, at least separate in different teams at the time. So the first Slam Nuba Slam was held, I believe, right here off of Santa Fe, uh, which I ended up winning. And that was just one of those beginnings that uh, I was I was kind of like, OK, I want to I want to be a slam poet. I want to go to nationals. I want to see what it's like. I want to hear these words from all over the country and the world. And this is my path. So I got to go. And that's how it began for me. When you think of like a founder of Slam Nuba, who are those people? Like- uh, definitely Ashara Ekundayo. Uh, a lot of these cats don't remember when Cafe Nuba was still popular. It's hot and it's black. Hot and it's black. And so, God, I remember being that little poet who wanted to get on the open mic list. No one knew who I was and they kept kicking me back of the line. And um, so to go from that to being on Slam Nuba was already like a huge accomplishment for me when it began. So Ashara Ekundayo, uh, we got to give Panama Soweto props. Ken Arkine was very instrumental in creating it, but the brainchild is the great mother, Ashara Ekundayo, without question. The founders, would you say that they saw it as an opportunity or a necessity? They saw it as a necessity because culturally speaking, you know, Mercury was only game in town. And there was a good damn game, uh, but they're a little monochromatic, if you know what I mean. Mm. And so what ended up going on was it was like there's a lot of poets of color who are not scoring well for some reason at the Merc. <laughs> and um, it's not that they are not good poets. It's just that th- we need to create also an audience. It wasn't just about the venue and the poets. It was about the audience. They need to be heard and their stories need to be uh, reflective off of a crowd that also sees their point of view. So that's what the mission was. And it worked very well. It's synonymous with erasure. Denver can play the part of adoptive mother so well that we forget who she first gave birth to. For every native bumper sticker slapped on the back of a Prius, there's an Apache grandmother who had to lose her language to bend that word into existence. Under the chipping paint of our historic homes, there are names that were deemed too poor or too brown for remembrance. Development gets too expensive when home turns into a house with character and safety is delighting in Spanish street names while driving out the paleta carts to keep up property value, boasting about a hood with trendy ethnic restaurants and trimmed lawns cannot connect you to a land you don't know. You have to dig your fingers in the earth for that, get comfortable with the skeletons buried next to the flower roots in your backyard. In the last five years, This city has swallowed up anyone with enough money for a ski pass 
dispensary membership and the dream, spat out the ones who couldn't afford to keep up with progress, tell me the difference between displacement and disappearing. When did we let community become optional in the face of the American dream? Does anyone remember when property tax didn't cost a whole spirit? Does your tia still live in her old house? Is there a bike path where your ancestors used to pray? Do you remember seeing faces like yours in your neighborhood? Do you have hope that you will again? As long as there are those who will always remember the highlands as the north side. Marbello doesn't stop fighting for its food rights. And the front range peaks are never afraid that the skyscrapers will eclipse them. In Denver, we gather together like devotees under the saving glow of candle vigils and poetry readings. Here, in the knowing of each other and the sharing of a soul, we make a home. Kalua, how did you hear about Slam Nuba in particular? I heard about Slam Nuba the last year I was on the youth slam team, which was Minor Disturbance. Ken Arkind at the time was coaching both the youth team and Slam Nuba. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and so they had an event. Um, like every year, usually Slam Nuba has um, either a send-off event or if they when they come back from NPS there's another show as well and so there was this show at Little Man Ice Cream and I heard I had heard of Slam Nuba before like just by watching YouTube videos but actually like seeing a team assembled and hearing them like be so amazing and so badass like that was that was it for me I really wanted to try and get on the team and try and be part of that and really grow my skill because I knew Slam Nuba was a place where I could really grow and hone in what I had. Was was this little man ice cream event, was it a, a workshop or just like a poetry? It was a fundraiser. Do you we, remember that yeah, event? Yeah, I, I, I do. We, we had a deal with the owner of Little Man. Um, I didn't set it up, but... I don't. Therefore, I don't remember his name. I, I want to give him a shout out because Little Man Ice Cream is damn good. <laughs> but every year they would just let us spit while people were walking by, and everybody was listening to these angry brown poets <laughs> scream about gentrification <laughs> in a gentrified right. ice cream so spot. <laughs> so I was like, "Why they keep coming back?" And they did. And then they kept throwing money in our bucket, so we took it because we needed it. Yeah. And got ice cream. And we got ice cream, <laughs> and then we got our words off, and then we went home. And so uh, we have been doing that for several years, and I think that's when Tolua showed up first time. Initially, I have been involved with Poetry Slam Inc. Okay. Um, as a national competing poet since 2007. My first nationals was in 2008 in Madison, Wisconsin, and I met a guy, I went to a Jewish side, they have side slams, and I went to the Jewish side slam, and I met a guy named Pauly Littman, okay. and Pauly Littman and I decided to do a cipher until sunrise with a group of poets, and we exchanged phone numbers, and I lived in Oklahoma, but we were in Wisconsin at the time, and we were like, we're going to be friends forever, <laughs> and we are, <laughs> and um, so I kicked, Polly was like, they're gonna do WALPs and they're doing it in Denver, you gotta come. Yeah. And I was like, what is this thing that you speak of? I've never heard of it. And so I came, but I only came and volunteered that year because I wasn't really familiar with anything. Mm -hmm. And so I volunteered and I was in Denver for a week. And by the end of the week, 
um, Art from Ashes was like, hey, we could use you. Oh, cool. And I was like, this feels like home. Those mountains are more magic than people understand. Yeah. It's not just a poem. <laughs> and I knew that this was home. And it took me a year to pack up four children in a U-Haul wow. and drive here um, wow. in 2013. And my first week here, I came in to Slam Nuva because it had been a beacon light on the national stage for a minute. Yeah. And I came into Slam Nuva and won the slam on my birthday. Nice. And I have always been connected to the poets in this community because we all traveled and competed nationally. Susie Q yeah. and I, Bianca McCon, um Bianca. And so cool. coming here, it just was the logical step. Yeah. I was like, I want to be where the best poets are, where the best poetry is. Yeah. And for me, moving from Tulsa to Denver, this was going to be it, where I wanted to grow. And so I just kind of chilled for a year. I competed here and there. Yeah. Um, and then I decided to go out for WOWPS. And last year, I was blessed enough to get to represent Slam Nuba. Um, at Women of the World Poetry Slam and the year before that. Cool. And so this is the third time I've been honored to make it to yeah. final stage both times. And That's awesome. I'm hoping to come back with the one this time cool. instead of the six. <laughs> <laughs> Say your name one more time. Confidence. Yeah. Cool. A say to. Mm-hmm. How would you describe someone that comes to a Slam Nuba event? Um, how do you think someone hears about Slam Nuba initially? Honestly, at this point, I have no idea. Like, I feel like, especially since Tolua and Andre took over, like, everybody is at Slam Nuva every last Friday night. Everybody. And I don't know how they find out about it. Um, But once you do, I think that, I mean, you walk into a space where it's something, it's unlike anything you've ever been to before. And you get your head chopped off, you know, like you get your senses severed, you, you get into your feels, and then it's something that you just can't shake and I think that's why we have so many people who come back and that's why it becomes family so easily is because you can't stay away from it once you've actually had a taste of it. Early on who was coming to Slam Nuba shows? It was our friends. It was people who were vested in us being successful poets and maybe one or two of their friends. Slam Nuba had to earn it man. Hmm. People were not really into us at first. The idea was like I said perceived as divisive. It was the victories. It was the quality and the caliber of the poets. So by the time our slam off was going on, which we had to share at the Mercury Cafe, then it became something that people like, okay, they sound good, but can they actually bring home the bacon? And we did. And that, I mean, you know, nothing succeeds like success, bro. So as soon as it started becoming like a winning thing and a powerful thing, you know, and a cultural thing, then we started attracting Mostly young people. <laughs> I'm Fitzgerald, and I'm really just volunteering my time because Slam Nuba has been really good to me, so I want to be, you know, give that energy in return. How long has it been? Uh, you been in volunteering? Like, i kind of been hanging around for two months, but, like, just now kind of really, like, dedicating oh, my time. Yeah. Dude, look at you yeah. go. So whenever they need something, I'm down. <laughs> Tolua, how would you describe a poet? I know. I know. It's a bad one. Honestly, uh, in my mind, poets are healers. We're the healers of our communities. We're the ones who preserve the stories so that everyone knows not only what's going on, but what could happen. Um, Obviously, this might sound cliche, but we study history so that we, in essence, in the philosophy of it, don't repeat our mistakes. Writing the poems and the stories and the histories of 
especially the people who comprise Slimeneb, especially of people of color, um, is something that I think is a powerful tool in healing the communities and the many communities of color around here who are not just suffering from generation, uh, from gentrification, but from generations of, you know, disenfranchisement. So I definitely think that Poets are the Healers. Is there a distinguishing difference between a poet that goes to Slam Nuba and a poet that doesn't go to Slam Nuba? What, what is a poet gaining from coming and being part of Slam Nuba's family? Like, if a poet shows up to Slam Nuba, are they part of the Slam Nuba family? Well, I, I, well let, me, let me say it yeah. like this. What you're going to be getting is the best of the best. When people make the Slam Nuba team, uh, they pass over a gauntlet, and we like it that way. Yeah. It's something that uh, we pride ourselves on. Being part of the Slam Nuba family in general generally meant that you made a team or are part of working with the team in some area. And even if you're no longer on the team, you're still part of the Slam Nuba family in that respect. Uh, does it include like homies and road dogs who are close to the actual poets on Slam Nuba? Of course. Does it include our audience to a certain degree? Very much so. You know, but what's most important is that when we're talking about the family of the slam poets there, when you're on a team with somebody all summer long, y'all working on poems, rehearsing, going through stuff, living life, coming up with new ideas, you just get close. And that makes it like family. I've never been on a Slam Nuba team, okay. but I kind of like grew up in Slam Nuba. I've been coming here for like 10 years. Like like the first Slam I think I ever won was at Slam Nuba when it was at Blackberries. But I think it was maybe the one, first one I ever did. It was like when... Um, yeah, when Coffee at the Point was Blackberries, and they used to have it over there on the little stage. And then, so I've been around for like, I could, yeah, so I've been around here Damn. for a while. How would you describe a Slam Nuba crowd to a crowd in another city? Hmm. I mean, obviously there's a family mentality with Slam Nuba, so maybe they're going to be a little more revved up. <laughs> yeah, but. there's definitely more hype in Slam Nuba <laughs> than any other place I've ever been. And there's also just an X factor that I cannot describe. Like, there's a warmth and a... Like, honestly, that was the thing that I missed the most. So I moved to San Francisco a couple of years ago when I was living there. Um, and every, it was at the time, Slam Nuba was every first and last Monday. And every first and last Monday, I was in my feelings because I couldn't be at Slam Nuba. And then even I was, I had the pleasure of being on a TEDx Mile High stage of the Buell Theater to a sold out crowd. And it was on the same night as the Slam Nuba night and I was pissed. Like, <laughs> like I rushed over at the end because there's just nothing like Slam Nuba. Like, no matter what I'm doing, where I am, yeah. I want to be at Slam Nuba. Well, Tolua, are there people that make Slam Nuba work that someone in the crowd doesn't know about? Absolutely, completely. Um, it's not just the team, it's not just the slam masters or the crowd, it's also the people who work at Crossroads Theater because they, one, provide the space for us to be there. Uh, Jared Smart, he runs the sound, he runs the lights, and Eric, who also works at the Crossroads Theater, just really is great at scheduling and coordinating everything. And they they really, really are the ones who provide the platform for us. Uh, we, like, for the past 10 years, I don't think Slam Nuva would have been able to grow to what it is without the support of the Crossroads Theater. Um, I've been running the lights and sound for Slam Nuba for over the, a little over the last year. Okay. And had you, <coughs> was it that you just worked at Crossroads? Yeah. And then there, it was kind of like... But yeah, and that's still the story. Okay. I, I work at Crossroads and yeah. Slam Nuba has been happening at Crossroads for 10 years, so I've been here like two and a half. Okay. So I was, I started subbing in on and off and then okay. it's been me pretty much every month for 
the last like 14 or 15 months. Do you feel like part of like the Slam Nuba <coughs> family year? Yeah, I, well, I, mean, I love when Slam Nuba shows up. It's one yeah. of my favorite nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's our oldest running event, and everybody's cool. real dope. Uh, I know what to expect, what yeah. I need to do. Yeah, totally. Um, <coughs> yeah, everybody knows my name. People give me props. Like, yeah. I sometimes I'll run the music if there's oh, not cool. a DJ. Like people say nice things and Sweet. it's fun. So. Cool. Is it when you say like it's a collective? Slam Nuba is a collective. It's definitely a collective Carmen effort. Everybody yes. has a different role, not necessarily more important. Yes. Um, we were assembling a board to help us run Slam Nuba. It's we still it. essentially together, but um, there are a bunch of poets that are in the Slam Nuba network who we call upon and we say, hey, there's this show, we need Slam Nuba members, you can you know, do this show. And this year, uh, the board comprised some of those poets, but always past Slam Nuba members and current Slam Nuba members of the poetry team mm. um, are open to things like that. So it's mostly like people on the board, uh, the Slam Masters, I don't know if there's ever been a joint slam mastering of slam nuba before there there hasn't like there's that's the first time where there's been two people i think that johnny osai and jovan mays worked a little close together before yeah but uh in terms of like both in the cat seat equally nah it's the first time this has happened yeah so andre and i are coastline masters and basically what that means is like we run it together mm. we do different things i mostly like help out you know with the board and like planning new slam nuba events outside of the show and then andre uh helps out with like gigs like book helping to book us gigs helping to make sure that everybody gets paid when they do a gig um and also like setting up the monthly show and booking features for the monthly show so we each have different responsibilities but are like running it together because running Slam Nuba is it is a job (laughs) it is a job and like God bless the people who ran it solo before um, because (laughs) uh, yeah God bless them because uh, it is definitely a lot of work and if you're not willing to invest most of your life into Mm. it it's it's hard and so having somebody to split the responsibilities with and even having other poets to split responsibilities with yep. really helps it run smoothly. I don't know how to be me, so I'm just gonna be me. <laughs> this poem called Yes, because I like it. Yeah. Don't say I ain't want you. <laughs> Woman, you are a motherfucking magician. You build arches like St. Louis from that thong hugging your hips and make them vanish between the crystal globes of your backside. So for my next trick, I'm gonna hide my face between your legs and make your sanity disappear. Make the peaks on your bra cups levitate, the veins in your nipples swelling like revolution, rebelling against the tyranny of the fabric, take it off. What are you hiding? The only thing wrong with your breasts is they're not in my mouth. My tongue is Dr. King, I wanna go to the mountaintops. Forget I'm your boyfriend in that. It's too stable. You would need him something wilder. A one night stand with my alter ego, so I present to you a master of seduction. Who knows that there is an addiction flowering between your thighs right now? 
It's got your eyes rolled back and overflowing like something warm, thick, and hard just filled you to the brim. Like you were trying to strangle a bomb blast with your panties and it is not working. Like you found out the seams of your jeans ain't waterproof enough. Don't play coy. Your raging breath stole your raging pulse stole your breath before you could lie to me. I want to know you the way the Almighty knows your body's geometry. To kneel down and pray thirstily before your heaven until your high heels break the blaze of the silly fan. Because nothing says holy land like the flawless terrain of a fresh Brazilian wax. I mean, how do you think God got his beard so long? Celibacy? Not likely. Let's cut a gospel album. <laughs> I'll be stringing your thongs on the neck of my guitar and playing your orgasms like Spanish flamenco. Be the first woman to curse in tongues. I will roll lightning from the tip of my own. Strike down your vibrator. Then use remaining power to light up your face like Las Vegas trip. What happens here stays in my mouth. Like, like I got drunk off a woman so intoxicating her blood type is Cristal. My comma suit got well, I'm losing the poem and shit. That's what a good woman to do to your friends. Alright. My comma suit your taste buds. Trip the landmines buried in the bumps of your areolas so them breasts can blow my mind. And who knew that commitment could feel this way? The type of dedication to start a cult to worship the shape of your eyes because that made the followers believe in something still beautiful enough to die for. Beautiful like how your legs spread wide like the Australian horizon. Me laying on you warm the way the caramel sky lays his belly on the ocean. Make it rain tonight. I will thrust and stroke you with the thunder in my spine until the monsoons must repull their water from our bed sheets. Your teeth lodged in my collarbone like I just launched a rocket inside you and your bite is the only thing keeping you earthbound. Deep. Like your womb may have to take out collision insurance. Like you may have to attach a safety to your G-spot to stop it from firing. Make me understand. While woman's moans can start a war. While nations ejaculate fighter jets. I would storm the beaches of Normandy and hand you with shorelines like a bracelet. If it would mean that you would tell me yes. Baby, fuck me on top of a pyramid to the heat of our bodies turn to sand dunes ah. and mountains of glass. Fuck me like a broken promise that my life depended on. Do me angrily till your juices turn to sweet as forgiveness. Fuck me till I come so hard my sperm travel through time and get you pregnant yesterday. Ah. Discipline sperm. No. Marching 200 at a time like the Spartan because that's the only way to be one with the goddess. Teach me to make love to love itself until my body's shape collapses. It gets out of my spirit's way and decomposes back to magic. Time your heart to my orgasmic contractions. Till my consciousness slips out of my dick and up into your neural synapses. Till I see me through your eyes, fuck you, fuck you like our spirits are flip. A simultaneous sexual serendipitous split of psychical shift. I'm inside of myself, inside of you, and it's exciting as hell. I am the electricity in your brain that gets feeling to your clit. So if I feel like this, then I got to be the shit. We implode into each other with the speed of what you do mean. The power cracks the stars' alignment and regroups them in the shape of your coochie, queen of heaven. It's part of a well-balanced diet. Let's be the 13th sign in astrology tonight. I see you pole dancing on a beam of sunlight and until your mind, I'm gonna be harder than Japanese underwater quantum physics for chimpanzees plotting the square root of seven. 
And if it adds up right, I won't have to wait my life to be inside the sweet thighs of my queen of heaven. Let's select this woman of the world representative. <laughs> So, Theo, how does being a public figure affect creating art? Well, uh, I know. Big question. (laughs) What it does is it adds a level of consequence to what you create and makes you more careful. Made me more careful. I, I, I guess I'm a public figure now. So it's just one of those things where it was difficult to embrace because you don't really know when you cross into that realm. You feel me? Mm. Like, you don't know because you don't know all those faces in the audience. These people are sometimes gatekeepers. They have, uh, you know, like the, the TEDx stage, you know, uh, Westward. I'm going to be in next month. So it's one of those weird things. But once you get a grasp of it, you begin to get more careful about what it is that you're doing. Because that, that could affect a whole lot in yeah. terms of people's lives and emotions. Believe me. Huh. <laughs> huh. Do you notice when you like push against that to the nth degree you get the best results or it like when you're pushing against what people expect from you is that when you're finding the best stuff well the thing about it is i got where i was at just from being myself you know what i mean so it's just like what it does is like for example i I got a facebook page that has a lot of followers (laughs) and um what you got to be careful about is when you put something up there, you know how far it's going to go, how wide it's going to spread. Yeah. And so there's certain things I won't put up, but I think are hilarious, but I don't put them up <laughs> because I know a great deal of my constituency is going to be like, uh-uh, yeah. this, that, and the third. So yeah. it, you, you measure consequence differently. Yeah. Yeah. Do you sometimes, I mean, this is going to be a weird question. Do you sometimes feel like a brand? Like you are yeah. a, a brand. But it's yeah. but 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 it's a brand that gives me freedom. You know, my brand is Renaissance. Yeah. You know, Renaissance man. I've done so much in so many fields that every new thing that I decide to try is going to be like that's that Renaissance dude who does that again. Mm-hmm. You know, so my only my only criteria is high quality. You know, I, I have a thing that I really don't talk about. It's in my brain. It's called WGA, weapons grade art. You know what I mean? Like art that explodes on impact. You know, art that shifts the shifts the dialogue. I don't write slam poems. I write three minute paradigm shifts. You know what I mean? And so with that, when I when I come at the game with that intensity, it's a habit that carries over. I come at everything with that intensity. And so that created the ripples and consequences that it made for whatever. And I'm glad that it did. And it actually puts me more in the driver's seat of my destiny a little bit. And how many years has it been that you've been doing poetry now? I first, well, I've been writing since I was 11. You know what I mean? But I started slamming in 2003. Okay. Out in St. Louis. I lived in St. Louis for a long time. Okay. Um, And uh, I I lost my first slam. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, I the tiger. I can't lose again. Nah, it was it was like something <laughs> that bit me to the bone. And I was like, I can do this because I, I lost unjustly. And like the people who won was like, how do we beat you? And I was like, that's a great question, homie. <laughs> so um, w- 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 with, with that, I said, this has to be a path. I ain't going to get no lightning strike. I got to build this from the ground up. Do you see poetry? Is there a goal in your career as a poet? Or is that there's never, it's like. <laughs> that was a hell of a hit. Um, I've, I mean, as an individual, I put goals on my career life and that always ruins it no yeah no well i mean i entered slam with the conviction that i was going to win the national poetry slam now six years after that's happened it's like where do i go from here yeah 
Um, and so uh, a track record is cool. I've toured a lot. What we call open mic venue couch tours to university tours. You know what I mean? Going on main stage and in front of thousands of people. Like that's, but that's age though. I've, I've done this because I'm older. You know what I mean? And so in time that'll happen. Mm. But career wise, it really comes with a following in books mm. and, and, and speaking gigs. If you're busting down a gang of speaking gigs and your book is moving, you can make a career out of it, especially if you keep ascending over platform after platform. Hmm. Maya Angelou started somewhere. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then she's given the poetry at the address for the president. You know what I mean? So it, it, you, you have to start somewhere, but you got to make that path. There's not a, a laid out career path. Yeah. I say to you, how long have you been doing poetry for? So I've been doing it for eight years. Um, and it's sort of interesting because I feel the same sort of tipping point um, I recently got appointed as the Aurora Poet Laureate. Um, and hey. so, like, that same kind of, like, hey. oh, crap. Like, people who aren't my friends, who aren't my family, who aren't supporters are listening to my work. And mm -hmm. so that same sort of responsibility and, like, yeah. what can I write? So it's just interesting. And I think Slam Nuba has gone through a similar process of, mm -hmm. like, okay, so in the crowd there used to be, and I remember when it was a really sparse crowd, and it used to be, like, our friends and our family and our little our little crew, you know what I mean? And now it's like you don't know who's walking through mm -hmm. the door. And so that, that tipping point is really interesting. And I'm just like kind of I feel like I'm maybe at the precipice of it and it's mm. yeah, it's it's a different experience. How long did it take until you like felt like you had a voice? Like how when when could you confidently say I have a not a tone, but a voice? Like my your own, own voice. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I I think I started off with my own voice actually, and then it was you know you go through this slam process and you kind of get because and that's true of all the youth poets I think they all come in with their very unique voice and it's profound, and then there's certain things that you have to learn in slam that can kind of break you away from that. Um, but if you're lucky, you get back to it, and then you have the the skills of slam to like more amplify your voice mm. um and so i think that's what i went through and honestly it was like i mean i i went on the tedx stage last october october 2016 um and i think that was really the moment where it, it kind of hit like okay like i actually have some steam like i have some people mm. who are paying attention to me i think you come in you know with your own voice and then things can happen and you can get moved away from that and then if you just keep if you stay persistent, you can get back to it, and then it's even better than it was mm. before. Mm. Tolu, how long has it been for you? Maybe three and a half years. <laughs> yeah. But she's fire on her own. Real talk. On her Real own. Talk. Dude, like, Real honestly, though, still. like, Tolua is, like, what I aspire to be. Her, like, I read her, I read her work, and I just lose my shit all the time. Like, she's up there for me with Audrey Lord, Washan Sheer. Like, how do you guys humble Talua? How do you humble we don't. her? We you don't. Hype her up. You hype her she's up. Always yeah, she's humble. always humble. She'll bro, so you don't gotta worry about her. Right. Yep, that's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I want it to go to her head. Well, we'll that, that'll it. be your answer for yours. I think that's yeah. good for the youngest. And uh, when you start coming newest. in looking like Rick James slapping people, <laughs> then we want to. Then we'll be like, okay. <laughs> maybe we can pull it back the compliments now but honestly she's she's fire poet awesome. i honestly feel like i've been blessed to have such amazing mentors and teachers um because if i didn't have people like theo like ase too like suzy q like ken in my life i don't know if i would have had the courage to even like go to an open mic and read a poem yeah. uh, like i was definitely like 
pushed out of the nest yeah. and onto a stage. <laughs> and it was terrifying. And it still is. And I still, um, sometimes I get impatient with myself, though, because people remind me, oh, look, you've done some really cool things. And in my mind, I'm always like, okay, I got to keep working, got to uh, keep working. Mm-hmm. And I'm always kind of unsatisfied with where I am, even though I need to learn to be content a little bit more. But mm. I'm always... Like sometimes the danger of comparing yourself and being like, oh, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. I need to be applying for this artist residency. I need to be applying for this fellowship. I need to be doing that, Uh, getting my MFA and all that. Sometimes I just have to remind myself to slow down that it comes with time. (laughs) Yeah. Who has been the most influential person? Just not even any like. To me, if if I was to be honest with you, it was Panama Soweto. Um, The bruh, when I came in the game, uh, Panama was God, dude. Like there was, it, it was true, and it's true. You know what I mean? Like, like him and Ken Arkine were co-God, and um, <laughs> they were. They they totally were back then, and uh, you know, so I was on three teams with him, uh, seen final stage with him, and it was just one of them things that you know, what I mean, he was like a, a a big brother to me. Like we had kind of an interesting big brother relationship. Uh, there was love lost, but then there was respect gained. You know what I mean? So that would definitely be who it was for me. Honestly, in combination, uh, Susie Q. Smith and Dominique Christina Ashaid uh, were definitely the two biggest influences on me in terms of Slam Nuba because hearing them have the same stories that I did and also be willing to, you know, help me out with poems or, you know, talk me through my own journey into mm. womanhood and help and, uh, like, act as examples in many ways like not because like nobody's perfect but like in many ways acting as uh my examples for uh. what i wanted to be as a woman i have to give props to kenarkan panama Soweto, and bianca mccann because they started me and they definitely raised me in a lot of different ways but honestly the most influential and it pains me to say it but it was theo wilson <laughs> like honestly okay. yeah that was really yeah his his work and his um, dedication to excellency was a huge influence on me. Thank you for that. I'm sorry <laughs> that's so bad to say, but I do appreciate it, though. I'm like, Dang Just know that I appreciate it. I, it is not going to my head. It's going right to okay, my heart. Good, wait, wait, wait. Right from the head to the heart. And I just got, like, thank you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Well, thank you for guys for coming in. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. No doubt. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much. No doubt. Thank you. Awesome. That was Thank you to Theo Wilson, Asetu, and Talua for coming into the studio. Go to slamnuba.com to find out their next events. We try to drop these episodes on the day of the event that is happening for Slam Nuba. Um, go to afterfm.com to hear the archives of this podcast that we're doing with Slam Nuba. What this project is kind of turning into is a snapshot of the people and the history of Slam Nuba, and, and hopefully it makes you want to go to the event. I don't want to give too much detail during these episodes because I think you need you need to go see it. So Crossroads Theater, go to slamnuba.com, find out when their next event is, and support them. Um, this has been Sean. This is a Slam Nuba KGNU after I'm exclusive, and uh, thanks so much for listening.